It is time for the pregame podcast. Where Dan and I today are talking about some old men in the NCAA who just need to call it quits. Yeah, I think this March Madness, and I mean, this will also kind of serve as our our midway March Madness check-in. Because, you know, we're halfway through the the first set of uh, games. We're in, we're, in the, we're in the second round at this point. As we're recording this, yeah. we are. So... We've seen some weird, wacky, some may call it sloppy play coming out of this NCAA tournament. I mean, it was interesting just to think about some of the blown opportunities. And, Kalen, I kind of want to throw the question on you. Are there any underperformances in this tournament that kind of puts a longstanding coach on a bit of a hot seat of like, hey... This, this program has like a certain standard that it, you know, is used to hitting and we're not hitting it. So it, it's probably time for you to move on and retire. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, one guy who was on the hot seat coming in was my, the beloved Jim Beheim. A lot of Syracuse fans are calling for him to just hang it up. I mean, ironically, um, they were one of the actual successes. <laughs> That's what, and that's what I'm getting at is because of their success in this tournament so far. I think he's, I think Jim's fine. I don't think he has anything to worry about. A coach that I wouldn't say is old, but is under the hot seat is Shaka Smart at Texas. Last four tournaments that the Longhorns have made it to, all four have been first round exits, and all four were first round upsets. So that's bad. That's not a good look. Yeah. That that <laughs> doesn't that doesn't rough. that doesn't sit well at the quarterly review. <laughs> no. No, that doesn't look great at the end of the, at the end of the tournament when you come home and you know you're off the bus and then the you know all the athletic department gets together and puts you at the end of the table and goes, "All right, Shaka, listen, man. We know we had an off year last year and this season was weird, so we'll cut you a little bit of slack, but we're done with these first round exits, man. Like next year, we're going to get there and we're going to go to the second round. All right. All right. Great. Good talk. And then, you know, next year, if they don't make it and go somewhere else, Shaka, he's actually one of my favorite coaches in the NCAA too. Um, oh, really? So I okay. really, yeah. Yeah. I love Shaka smart. Um, I think he's really, really good. His days with VCU were amazing. They were one of my favorite programs to watch. And I mean, he took that program from nothing to, uh, I think, a Final Four appearance. Yeah. And then they were in the tournament pretty much every year after that. And they still, for the most part, make it in every year. Yeah, um, I mean, but, well, they, they were in this year, although they had to forfeit the game to Oregon. They're the only no contest in the first round because I'm assuming COVID because the time. I mean, yeah, in. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming COVID as well. Um, But anyway, so he's on the hot seat. One coach that is definitely going to be under the hot seat under the microscope is long-standing UNC coach Roy Williams. Is it time for him to start thinking about hanging it up? UNC made it into the tournament. They did not have a great season, in my opinion. And then they got stomped by Wisconsin. And I mean stomped by Wisconsin. 85-62 was the final score. Wasn't even close. 
I said at our March Madness preview, Dan, I said UNC probably didn't deserve to be there. I think that kind of just proved my point. It just, um, it just checked it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just reinforced it. I don't know. I don't know if there's murmurs going on in UNC camp with the fans or or with the program about him leaving. I, I have no idea um, what that standing is, but I do know that he is a very good basketball coach and that he has been there for quite some time. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was retirement murmurs occurring. A lot of these teams definitely did not perform the way that, you know, you'd want them to. Thinking along those lines, I mean, we've tended to forget them. Well, there's some significant schools that are just not here, I should say. They're not in March Madness. Whether it's Duke, Kentucky, or, like, Louisville, like, are any of those coaches, like, you know, not living up to the standard? And, you know, a lot of them have been longtime coaches at their respective schools. Do you think it's time for any of them to just kind of call it? In the case of of John Calipari, no, I don't think so. Um, I think Kentucky has always had young squads um, and has heavily relied on getting really, really good talent in there. That's why they produce a ton of NBA players. I just don't think they had that the usual level of talent this year, and that's why they just didn't make it in. And I think Duke had potential. But again, they were missing pieces. They had one really good player. He saw they weren't going to make the tournament, weren't going to do well. And he was like, all right, screw it. I'm hanging it up for the whole year, uh, rest of the year to go to the draft. So that is what it is. And I think Coach K and John Calipari, are, they're fine. They're fine. No worries there. They're two of the best coaches in the NCAA, if not the two best two. So I think they're fine. It's in the case of Louisville, I mean, Louisville's coach is brand new anyway, so I really don't expect him to get fired right away. Oh, well, I'd hope not. With the exception just naming big, big, good teams, big, good programs. Listen, with the exception of coaches that I that I know because they're iconic, you know, whether that be Coach K, you know, Jim Beheim, like any of, you know, these really iconic coaches. Like, those are the ones I know. I, I could not tell you the coach of FSU to save my life. I couldn't tell you the coach of Michigan's basketball team to save my life. Baylor, none of them. So my thought was just that, you know, Louisville has been an outstanding basketball school so for a while. So I'd assume that they had a pretty steady situation at head coach. So we can take that one back. But let me throw another name out to you. Another, another okay. coach. So this coach... Didn't even like the team didn't even make it into March Madness because they lost the play in game. How do you feel about the future of Tom Izzo at Michigan State? You know, Dan, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I was just actually thinking about him as another coach uh, to put into this discussion. So I watched the UCLA Michigan State game actually, and I'll tell you what, that UCLA team is really good, and that Michigan State team was was good. They they both teams played well but i think the downfall of michigan state was they were up by like 14 at one point yeah and they just they just literally let it fall apart and sure you can look at that and say oh that has to do with coaching yes and no i mean you know tom Izzo can put the game plan in front of them 
and can tell them the play to run and tell them what to do on defense. But, you know, ultimately it always comes down to the players executing. And I think that Michigan State just didn't execute in this case. And that's that's what cost them the game. Uh, that happens. That's basketball. That You know, that's every sport, to be honest. You come down to the clutch final moments and go to overtime and your game ends up, you know, being you end up being down by six with five seconds left on the clock. And you're just like, well, it is what it is. We didn't execute. You know, we didn't we did not enact what coach was saying. Or maybe maybe Tom Izzo didn't have the right game plan. I really like Tom Izzo. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NCAA. I keep saying this because we keep talking about a lot of my favorite coaches in this segment. <laughs> um, well, sorry that all, all of your favorite coaches are the ones that I want to fire. Apparently, just <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, like if I had to make a top five, you pro- we've probably talked about three of the top five already. So, yeah, I like I just like Tom. I I like how he's Tom. I can say that like I know him. I like Coach Izzo's approach to how he coaches his team. I like how he has like the play style he makes them play with, just gritty, tough, get the rebounds, you know, that kind of mentality. And that's just what Michigan State basketball's been. It wasn't long ago that Michigan State won a championship, too. We got to remember that, too. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that they really should have been able to close it out after being up by, you know, the margin they were, like 14 or whatever it was, you know, at the half or or shortly after halftime or whatever against UCLA. I, I just thought that they would be able to close it out. But again, yeah. it's... Let's be honest. If you if you lose the win in game or yeah the win in game, then you're not part of the big dance. Like it doesn't count. I mean, I mean technically you are, but technically you're not. I mean, let's put it. Let's put this into perspective of like their track record, mm-hmm. just to like give them a leg to stand on, mm-hmm. or give Tom a leg to stand on. He's in his 27th season with Michigan State. First of all, second of all, they're the winningest team in the Big Ten under him since he got there now here's where I, I thought they won a championship more recently than this for the ncaa tournament but i was thinking of when they were in the final four so they've last time they won a, ch- a championship uh was in 2000 they were runner up in 2009 and then 2019 they were the final four in the final four so not long ago they were in the final four and honestly that's the that's where you want to get to as a coach like sure you want to win the whole thing but like those final four appearances, I feel like hold more weight just because like I shouldn't say hold more weight, but are a grand achievement in and of themselves because you ended up beating your whole end of the bracket. So you're kind of like a champion of that region, if you will, mm-hmm. um, if you make it to the final four. And they won the Big Ten in 2020. I forgot about that, too. They won the Big Ten tournament in 2020 as well. So they had a really good team last year. So it would be interesting to know where they would have finished in the tournament last year in comparison to having to be in a playing game this year because they would have just been in since they won the Big Ten tournament last season. But anyway, I'm rambling. I think Tom Izzo's fine. Is he getting old? Yes. I don't think he's going to retire yet, though. I think he's he's going to keep coaching there. Okay. All right. We kind of like jumped around a little bit. If we could just kind of take it, you know, at least looking at... The first round of the tournament, there there were some upsets, you know, here and there. I'm just going to hit you with a team and you just tell me whether or not the fact that they were upset is is worthy enough for them to reevaluate what their situation is. Okay. 
So first off, Purdue losing to North Texas. I don't think you need to reevaluate the situation there. I think Purdue has a good thing going. You know, I think it just needs to improve and continue to improve. Mm-hmm. Just met met a good team. Didn't play well. Losing by nine isn't like great. It's not like it was like really close or something like that, but it's not the worst out there. What are your thoughts on Oral Roberts winning in, in overtime over Ohio State? That was awesome. I loved that. Uh, again, I think that's just a, a a lack of execution situation there. I don't think anyone needs to get like fired over it or anything like that. There were big hopes for Ohio State in the tournament. I know that. I know a lot of people were looking for them to do really well, but sometimes those are the teams that come into the game thinking they have it in the bag, which mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think they did. But maybe a couple of the guys on their team did. Who knows? And, um, you know, that caused them to just not execute in a couple of very key moments. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't hurt me too bad. I had them losing to Florida in the next round anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you think about Tennessee losing by 14 to Oregon State? Big upset. Big, big upset. Tennessee's been good the last two years, though. Um, I think they're they're kind of a program kind of coming up. I shouldn't say they were good. They had an okay season last year in 2020 before everything shut down. And then this season they came up onto the scene and just, you know, had a fire underneath them. Again, I I don't think you need to reevaluate your coaching situation there. I think it'd be a little harsh to do so. It really looks like some of the fans are calling for Rick Barnes to be removed. Um, there's a couple of articles floating around of how Tennessee should go about it. Even that's a tough one. That's a tough one to, for me to call, but here's the other thing. Rick Barnes shows up in 2015, right? He comes from Texas where he had a long endless reign of tournament appearances, couple of elite eight appearances as well mm-hmm. with Texas mm-hmm. and then comes into Tennessee they don't make the tournament his first two years. Third year, they're in the round of 32, so they make it to the second round and go get eliminated. 2018-2019, they were in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. 2020, obviously, last year, nothing happened. And then this season, they go out in the round of 64. They get upset in the round of 64. I think maybe calling for his head's a little premature here. I think they need to wait and see see things out. He hasn't won a championship in his career, but or or been to the final four from what I can tell. Nope. Yes, he was in the final four with Texas. I lied in 2002. Um, So he hasn't been to the final four in a long time, but I don't know. I think you stick it out and you see what happens. Maybe next next two, three seasons, you start to really think about maybe a new head coaching position or figuring out a replacement. Cycling around to another Midwestern upset as well. I mean, you know, we talked about Jim Beheim. I mean, you talked about Jim Beheim. You brought him up because, of course, you're a Syracuse fan. And, you know, you talked about how if Syracuse lost, then it may have been time for for Beheim to kind of, you know, look at retirement. But on the flip side of that game, San Diego State, the team that was upset by by the Orange in a 16-point, 11-6 upset, I mean... Their coach, Brian Dutcher, this is his fourth season. He's only had one year that they've made the NCAA tournament. And the previous coach that was before him, uh, Steve Fisher, the guy went to six straight NCAA tournaments, then was in the NIT, 
then didn't make any tournaments and was fired. <laughs> on the flip side, I mean, San Diego State, at least based on at what point Steve Fisher left, it seems like they don't have a lot of tolerance for yeah. uh, for lack of success. And I mean, like that that one other appearance besides this year, that one other appearance was in 1718. And that was also a loss in the first round. San Diego State's also a school that gets to the tournament and kind of we expect to lose as people as you know, someone who's watched it majority of my life. Like I see San Diego State. And I'm like, all right, first, second round, they're gone. I never am like San Diego State Final Four all the way, totally. Sure, sometimes I throw them in there as a wild card to maybe do it go all the way or something funny, but um, I don't know. It definitely seems like they don't have a lot of tolerance. Maybe he'll get a pass since last year we didn't have a tournament, and the team did really well last year as well. They were thirty and two last season, and then they were twenty three and five this season. Uh, their conference record was 17 and one in 2019, 2020. Uh, it was 14 and three this season. I mean, it's not like the team has been bad. The last two seasons have been the two best that he's coached. So I don't think you pull the trigger on him just yet. I think you keep him around another yeah. season or two. Yeah. I mean, now looking over to the East, we already talked about the Texas head coach and with their upset to, uh, to what's what's ACU again? Something Christian, whatever. A little above that. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna already say that you know um, that Mark Pope at BYU is is definitely not on any kind of type of hot seat. Uh, he's been a coach for two years, and the first year uh, there wasn't a tournament to be had. So obviously, his first appearance in the tournament, going out in the first round on an upset, not the best way to do it. But he's probably no. fine there. Yeah, and every, everything else kind of went to standard. I mean, Maryland beat UConn, but, you know, that's a 7-10. That's not ridiculously bad. It's not really an upset. Yeah, and, and the only, I mean, honestly, the only other upset we haven't really talked about, I mean, looking at the West, the only real upset there was Ohio over Virginia. Everything else was, right. you know, was uh, underdogs get crushed. So, and I mean, that was a close one. And Virginia, I mean, the last time they held an NCAA tournament, they hoisted the trophy at the end of the whole thing. So obviously nothing to get upset about there. Um, I find it very interesting that Virginia for the past three seasons has either been first round upset or wins it all. It's been interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what to do with Virginia anymore. Do I put them do I put them in the championship game or or not? Um, Or do I give them the upset? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Looking over everything that's happened so far in March Madness, we've been through the round of 64. The round of 32 is, you know, they're progressing. A couple of games have happened, at least at the point that we're talking about this. Um, They're probably mostly going to be wrapped up by the time that you're listening to this. Obviously, we only really have the first round to talk about. The second round, the only spicy thing is, of course, Illinois getting knocked out to uh, Loyola, Chicago. And... Mm -hmm. um, Oh God! What's what's the woman's name? They're what's their their number one cheerleader? It's like like uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yes, I do. Oh, what's what's her name? What what is there? I can't remember. What, what what is that woman's name? Sister Jean. That's who it is. Sister Jean. I'm not gonna lie. I typed in Loyola Chicago basketball old lady and it came up. So, Sister Jean, good job. You guys made it to the uh, to the Sweet Sixteen. But regardless, <laughs> looking at the first round, um, I mean, we talked a little bit about the upset over Ohio State. 
you know, we talked about some of the other upsets on here. Is there anything else that kind of surprised you in terms of upsets, in terms of things being closer than you thought they would be, you know, results that you just didn't think would happen? I think there were a lot more overtime games than I expected there would be this season. You know, I thought teams like Ohio State and Michigan State would take care of their business and regulation. Not that Michigan State's was an upset or anything like that, obviously, because it was an 11 against 11 playing game. But still, the point stands of I was very surprised at the amount of overtime I was seeing or very close to overtime, you know, a minute and a half left four point game. You know, it may have ended at a seven, eight point score differential. You know, that that counts for all the garbage time points that ended up occurring, basically. So, yeah, definitely was surprised about the amount of overtime and the amount of overtime games that I saw. But other than that, nothing really, nothing really out of the norm. You know, Dan, it's March Madness. It's mad. Yeah, it's mad. And I mean, hey, some of my bets are paying off. Ohio, I called that upset. I called that upset over Virginia. Liberty. Didn't actually work out in my favor, but that's okay. Yeah, I was sad about that. I was sad yeah. about the Liberty game. Uh, I, I will say that I stuck to my guns. I put both Ohio University and Liberty in my Sweet 16. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Things are not exactly entirely working out uh, in terms of the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Liberty's gone. Illinois is gone. Uh, who else in my Sweet 16 has gone? Uh, I had Texas UConn in my Sweet 16, which obviously isn't happening. So, yeah. And uh, as I speak, not that it mattered anyways, because I had San Diego State beating Syracuse in the first round. So it didn't matter anyways. But uh, congratulations, uh, Syracuse in the Sweet 16. Well done, boys. Well done. Yes, upsetting uh, West Virginia. So, yeah. I just came from there. I'm not. I'm <laughs> glad I'm not there anymore. <laughs> well, it was a three-point game. It was a close one. Uh, which also reminds me, Kalen, you, uh, as much as you are happy that Syracuse is in the Sweet 16, uh, one person who is not happy about that is definitely Pat McAfee, uh, you know, someone who we, we both enjoy his content, his musings. Pat McAfee, from my understanding, may or may not have had a six-figure bet on West Virginia winning the entire thing. Ouch. Yeah, that's, uh, ooh, that's a stinger. That's a, that's a tough one. You lose to, you lose to Syracuse. Uh, regardless, that'll wrap up our kind of check-in, our, our midway check-in on the NCAA tournament and our little hot seat talk about what coaches uh, could be fired. Maybe, you know, some older coaches that may be, you know, kind of told to hang it up. But yeah, that kind of wraps up what's everything's looking like in the NCAA. People are already saying that this tournament d- should have asterisks because it's a COVID year and like things are crazy, you know. Oh, that doesn't make a difference. It happened. Um, well, they're, they're, they're playing in a bubble. It's totally different. I wouldn't say that. None of these guys are in a bubble. They all were at different schools four days ago. What do you mean? Well, I mean, they're in a bubble now. So, well, yeah, but they regardless doesn't matter. They can handle it for like oh, two weeks or whatever it is. It's yeah, irrelevant. To be fair, Kalen, you don't personally have a TikTok, do you? No, I, I may have to send you some content. There is uh one of the starting players from um, the Oregon Ducks women's team has been documenting their experience at the NCAA tournament in the bubble and everything. That's been very interesting, primarily because the first thing that they did was point out uh, the hypocrisy between the weight rooms for the men and the weight rooms for the women. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, they were the the women were upset that the entirety of 
of the women's tournament got one set of free weights. That's it for for everybody. And yeah. Meanwhile, the men got like something like two or three dozen weight machines. Weird. Oh, the good old NCAA. But we're going to leave before, you know, I don't know, I get smacked by a lawyer or something. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see what's going on, you know, for, for the rest of the time when we're not directly talking into your ear holes, make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at pregame underscore pod. Also, don't forget to send us any questions, comments, or discussions, things you want us to talk about on the show, topics that you want to hear about. Send it to our mailbag, the pregame mailbag at gmail.com. Until next time, my name's Dan Zaleski. My name's Kalen Wolfskill. And we'll see you guys on the next edition of the Pregame Podcast. Peace. Game podcast is produced by Dan Zaleski and Kalen Wolfskill. Theme music by High On You. A Ruby Media Production.